The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. We're excited, as Ryan said, about next Sunday here at Coastal uh, Mother's Day. It is always just a, a blast. So uh, make sure you invite and reach out to a lot of people. There's a couple other things I wanted to bring up uh, just individually uh, there on your announcement sheet, some other things happening uh, here in the life of our church. Uh, one is um, really about our life groups and our ministries, our life teams. Uh, this, uh, we run our small group system, our, our life groups, uh, on a semester basis, uh, just like school. Uh, we have a you know, fall, uh, winter semester, winter, spring semester, and uh, the semester is quickly coming to a close. And at the end of every semester, uh, we have kind of a, a party and a celebration for all of our leaders, uh, all of our leaders of, of ministries, of groups, and uh, that's coming up. And, uh, you know, in fact, this morning, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you're involved uh, in a life group or you serve in ministry somewhere here at Coastal. Just raise your hand. Yeah, we got to, I mean, it really takes up most of our people at our church. And uh, so we'd like to just kind of uh, just end the semester well and uh, just do a little party and a celebration with, with our leaders. And so if you lead a group, lead a ministry, uh, make sure you RSVP for that. That's coming up there Friday, May the 18th. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about, but we start signing up for people now, uh, is June the 10th uh, is our next uh, baptism uh, at the beach, our beach baptism. And uh, we, we baptize people regularly here at Coastal. You know that. You've, you've been a part of that. And um, any Sunday, any service, whenever you're ready, uh, we're ready to do that. We have a baptistry that we bring out. Uh, but since we're here in Charleston and uh, we get the opportunity to have a beach baptism. And so we usually have at least, uh, we usually have about two. Uh, this is the first one. Uh, and it's a Sunday, June the 10th. And it's going to be Sunday afternoon uh, at 4 o'clock uh, at Folly Beach County Park, that, that side of the beach. And uh, if you're interested in participating, uh, please uh, RSVP, let us know about that. We'll put you on the list. You can sign up on the back of your Connect card. And uh, there is just something amazing about um, being in God's creation, the, the wonder and the power of the ocean. And uh, you, know, so you, you talk about washing your sins away. Wow, when you get just smacked in the face by a wave as you're coming up out of the, out of the ocean. And uh, one year we had a shark sighting, so that was really cool. You know, if you're going to die, what a way to go out. You know, come on, it's really cool. So um, anyway, please uh, go ahead and sign up for that. We usually uh, baptize about 20 people uh, out at the beach over the summer. And uh, we believe this is a uh, sizing up to be one of the largest ones we've had in a while. So uh, sign up for that. Uh, today, uh, we begin a, a brand new series called Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the expressions of God's grace. But um, before we get started, I, I want you to complete uh, one of these common American phrases for me, okay? So this is your opportunity to talk. Here we go. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it... It is. It usually is, probably is. Uh, we make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. Uh, somebody in the first service said, we inherit it. I'm like, okay, I guess. Let's talk to your family. Um, but uh, how about this one? There's no such thing as a free, okay, free ride, free lunch, some people said. Uh, there is no gain without pain. And then the final one. God helps those who 
help themselves. By the way, that's not in the Bible, though some people think that that's a verse in the Bible. It's actually not. Um, you know, everything about the American way of life kind of follows suit to those phrases that, you know, kind of teaches that, that you, you get what you earn uh, in life. Uh, you know, you get what you pay for. Uh, we, we pridefully call that the American work ethic. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing. But the problem with it, though, is that it does create a little bit of a difficulty in how we relate to God. Because God doesn't relate to us based on our performance. In fact, the Bible teaches that everything that God does in your life, every blessing you have, everything, everything that you have comes as a result of God's amazing grace. You, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. it it's a gift. Now, I know you might push back a little bit and say, yeah, but you know, wait a second, Pastor Chris. Listen, you know, everything that I have, I worked for it. I earned it. Listen to me. Every breath that you breathe, the breath that you are taking right now, it is a gift from God. The mind that you have that enables you to do what you do, that's from God. You know, that strong back, those strong legs that you have that enable you to work, that comes from God. In fact, listen to these verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results, for I've worked harder than all the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his, what? His grace. Again, it's all because of his grace. And I love John 1.16, what a great reminder. For from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So today, we are starting a brand new series that's going to take us through the month of May, and it's called Amazing Grace. You know, I really believe you can't fully understand and grasp the Christian life until you understand and grasp his grace. It is the heart of our relationship with God. However, it's possible that you've been a Christian for a while now, maybe you know, 10 years, 20 plus years, and you've never really learned to live by grace. Now, I'm sure many of you think you know what grace is mentally. You know, again, it's God's gift. You know, I know I can't earn my way into heaven. But the truth is, very practically, you don't live that. You know, you live as though God disapproves of you. And, and, and even though mentally you know, again, you're not saved by your efforts, you can't work your way into heaven, it's as though you're always trying to appease an angry God. You picture God in heaven as this unpleasable parent shouting at you, it's not good enough. You know, can't you do any better? Come on, get your act together. And so you live with this permanent sense of condemnation. And I think that's why so many people never get to know God personally. Because they think about God that way. I mean, why would you want to get to know a God like that? If you think he's mad at you. And so our goal in this series is that you will not only understand grace mentally, but you'll experience it. You'll feel it. You'll begin to enjoy the grace of God in your life. And maybe, just maybe, for the very first time, you'll feel loved by God. 
Here at Coastal, we talk an awful lot about God's saving grace. For by grace have you been saved through faith and not that of yourselves. You know, we, we talk a lot about grace and, you know, people come to faith here at Coastal every week. But there are a lot of other expressions of God's grace. And sometimes we forget that. You know, grace is like this multifaceted diamond with all different kinds of shapes and and sides to it. And so during this series, we're going to take a look at God's healing grace, how God heals the hidden wounds in our life from our past. We're going to take a look at God's liberating grace, how he wants to set you free from the performance trap you find yourself in. Today I want us to talk about God's sustaining grace. So what is that? What is God's sustaining grace? Well, the definition I have for you this morning is, is that it's the power to keep going when you feel like giving up. If you're taking notes, write that down. The power to keep going when you want to give up. Uh, it, it's the power to do the right thing when you don't want to do the right thing. Do you ever need that, the power to keep going when you want to give up? I know I do. I think we all do. Listen, God doesn't want you just to kind of slug across the finish line and then slink into heaven, okay? That's right, slug and slink, you know? That's not what he wants for you. He wants you to uh, enjoy life. He wants you to finish the life, uh, the race of life well. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to experience that. He wants you to understand why he put you here on this earth, and he wants you to accomplish that. And God actually says, I will give you the power to do it, to finish the race well. Now, there are some obstacles in the race that kind of get in the way and keep us from finishing well. And I want us to talk about those this morning. And I want you to hear loud and clear, regardless of what you're going through today, no matter what you might face this year, you can always count on God's sustaining grace. 1 Peter 5.12 says this, my purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that the grace of God is with you, no matter what happens. Circle that last phrase, no matter what happens. That's uh, kind of the theme for this, this series and particularly this message today, that no matter what happens in your life, God's sustaining grace is always there with you. Now, there are some things, again, that can cause you to stumble that can cause you to veer off course and that want to keep you from finishing the race well. Well, God's sustaining grace says, I'll help you in all of those situations. So let's take a look at them this morning, okay? Number one, God's sustaining grace helps me when I'm tempted, when I'm tempted. Temptation is one of those things that can cause us to stumble. In fact, uh, back to 1 Peter, the Bible says this in chapter five, verses eight and nine, watch out for attacks from the devil your great enemy. He is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. In other words, Satan is wanting to eat your lunch. Okay, he is out to get you. The Bible says that he is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And then it says, take a firm stand. Circle that phrase, firm stand against him 
and be strong in your faith. Now, you might not realize this, but the moment you became a believer, you entered into a spiritual battle. You know, you have, you have been taken from Satan's uh, care and uh, you are no longer his property and you have been transferred uh, into God's hand. But there is a battle for your life now. And again, Satan is wanting to do everything he can to disrupt your life, to get you off course, to steal, kill, and destroy. And as a result of that, you are faced with everyday certain moral choices. You know, am I going to do the right thing or the wrong thing? Am I going to be selfish or unselfish? And all those choices uh, are called temptations. The Bible says that everybody is tempted, all of us, okay? Uh, That you will never outgrow temptation. In fact, we know from the Bible that Jesus was tempted. It says he was tempted in every way just like we are, but he never sinned. Now, the good news there is that since Jesus was tempted and he never sinned, it means It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. You know, some Christians, though, you know, when you're tempted, you think, oh, no, what am I going to do? How could I be, you know, how could I have such a thought? You know, I'm such a, a wicked, mean, nasty person because that thought went through my mind. Listen, you can't control all the thoughts in your mind. Now, you can choose whether or not you're going to dwell on them and act on them. Somebody once said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. Okay, so there's a difference between being tempted and then giving in to temptation. Now, Satan's going to give you all kinds of ideas, so you don't have to feel intimidated, embarrassed, or ashamed. Again, it's when you dwell on it and act on it that it becomes a problem. Years ago, Larry King was interviewing Billy Graham. And uh, Billy Graham just passed away recently. And uh, they were talking, uh, Larry was talking to Billy Graham about the Clinton scandals. Okay, Bill Clinton. And uh, finally, Larry King said this to Billy Graham. You're 80 years old. You have been in the public limelight your entire life, and yet you've never had a scandal. You have a history of integrity. How in the world have you managed to never have a scandal in your life? You know how Billy Graham responded? He quoted a scripture, this next one on your outline. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Now stop right there for a second. What Billy Graham was saying was, listen, we all have temptation. You know, don't, don't ever say, oh my goodness, I'm the only one that's going through this temptation. No, every, you know, all temptations are common. And then listen to this. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You know what that is? That's a great example of God's sustaining grace. Man, that's a terrific promise. It says that God will never actually allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. And so if you ever say, well, I just couldn't help myself. You're not telling the truth. God says there will always be a way out. Now, that might mean you got to turn off your computer. you got to put away your phone. It might mean you got to run out the door. It might mean you have to change jobs. It might mean you have to leave the bar. But God's sustaining grace will always provide a way of escape. Number two, 
God's sustaining grace helps me when I'm tired. When I'm tired. We're all tempted. But sometimes you're just tired. Life can be exhausting. It requires a lot of strength, a lot of energy, especially if you're trying to do the right thing and not the easiest thing. You know, some of you are the only believer where you work. Some of you are the only believer in your family. And that's tough. You ever get tired of doing the right thing? Sure you do. We all do. You know, it's tough. It's, it's exhausting sometimes. You know, when, when all of the culture, all of the world seems to be going one way and you're trying to go the other way. You're trying to, you know, to swim upstream. That's, that's exhausting. You know, the, the, the more you're trying to do what's right, the more energy it requires. And yet, the Bible says this, don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Now, where do you get the power to do that? I mean, where do you get the power to do the right thing when you don't feel like doing the right thing, when you're dead tired? I mean, sometimes, come on, sometimes you just don't want to be nice, do you? Sometimes I don't want to be nice. Sometimes I want to be cranky. I want to be grouchy. Sometimes I want to be rude back to the person who was rude to me. But where do we get the energy then to do the right thing? 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says this, it is God who gives us, along with you, the ability to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. There's the key right there. The key to not getting tired, to not giving up, to keep on doing the right thing, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who energizes us, who, who gives us power, not in your own power, in your own strength. Listen, the reason why some of you today are tired and exhausted all the time, you know, trying to live your faith, is, is exactly that. You are trying to live the Christian life in your own strength, and it doesn't work that way. You're trying to be like Jesus. You're trying to be good. You're trying to be a person of integrity. You're trying, trying, trying. And it's exhausting. The key to the Christian life is not trying. It's trusting. It's trusting. It's not psych yourself up, work really hard, try to do your best and perform and perform so that God will smile at you. It's relax. Trust him. And let Jesus live through you. And he'll actually give you the power that you need. Do you know, let me ask you a question. Do you know how many years it took Noah to build the ark? 120 years. Now, I realize they lived a lot longer than we did pre-flood, okay, according to Genesis. But still, can you imagine it taking 120 years to wait for anything? I mean, how in the world did he have the ability to keep on keeping on when it must have been exhausting, when everybody around him was probably making fun of him? I mean, surely he got tired. Surely he must have been beaten down and, and discouraged. The answer? Genesis 6-8. But Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
What about Moses? Think about him. How did he keep going? I mean, in spite of the fact that for 40 years he had to wait in the wilderness and then another 40 years wander around the desert leading a bunch of spiritual crybabies. How did he not give up? How did he not get tired? Why didn't he quit? It was because of God's sustaining grace. You see, God wants to give you the power to do what he has called you to do. Philippians 2.13, one of my favorite verses, it says this, for it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purposes. Now, think about that. Look at that. Will and power. You see, the problem is we think that the Christian life is a matter of willpower. You know, I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps. I will do it. I will work for it. I will earn it. Listen, it's not. It's not a matter of your willpower. It is a matter of God's will, what he wants to accomplish in your life, and his power. And so when God gives you both the will and the power to do something, you will be able to do it. God never asks us to do something without both giving us the desire to do it and the power to accomplish it. You know what that is? That's an example of God's sustaining grace. That's why it's amazing. His grace helps me when I'm tempted, helps me when I'm tired, and then number three, it helps me when I'm troubled, when I'm troubled. You know, Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. Expect it, count on it, don't be surprised by it, don't be blown away by it. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to go through situations that you can't handle. Now, there's all kinds of troubles that we face. You know, there's the troubles that uh, just kind of blow you away like a wind. I mean, just come into your life like a storm and just blow you away. There's the kind of troubles that just, they just weigh you down. Like a heavy, heavy burden, heavy weight. And then there are those troubles where, you know, you're just going along, you know, again, your race, your, your path, and it just feels like somebody pulled the rug out from underneath you. The most difficult kind of troubles, though, are those ones that are unplanned, unrelenting, and undeserved. In other words, you know, there are some things that, not that you planned them, but, you know, I kind of brought on myself. And so we kind of think, you know what, I made the mess, I got to clean it up, I, 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 I take it, I understand that. And so many times we don't mind handling problems like that. We get that. But the most difficult problems in life to handle are the unfair ones where you feel like you're the innocent party. That you didn't deserve it. You didn't ask for it. You didn't cause it. Those are the ones that are hard to handle. They're especially hard to handle when not only are they undeserved, but they're also unrelenting. They never let up. You see, a lot of times we can handle a problem when we think, well, I, I, I see the end in sight. You know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I know this is going to be hard. I know this is going to be a hardship, but it's only going to be two weeks or two months or maybe even a year, and, and you can handle that. But there are some problems in life that hurt, that are unsolvable, and you're going to have to 
live with or manage for the rest of your life, and there's nothing that you can do that's ever going to change that. Whether that's a hurt or a background or a disability, and all the wishing in the world is not going to make it go away. So what do you do then? Well, one thing, you've got to stop playing the if-only game. You know, if, if only I had different parents. If only I had, you know, married someone else. If only. That doesn't work. It's not going to solve the problem and it's not going to ease your pain. Instead, you've got to focus on Jesus and his sustaining power. Listen to Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my victorious right hand. Man, look at all the things there that, it, that God says he'll do for us. I'll be with you. You know, I'll, I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you pretty much covers everything. The problem is, though, we think we can handle everything. You know, that you're the master of your fate. Man, that's, that's a bunch of baloney. I mean, it's just not true. Think of all the major events of your life that are completely out of your control. I mean, you didn't control when you were born. You didn't control where you were born. You didn't choose your parents. You, you, you didn't choose when, you know, you don't choose when you're going to die. You know, at some point, we've got to wake up to the realization that you're not God. And you can't control everything that happens around you. You know, even the Apostle Paul, even the man who wrote most of the New Testament, evidently had some sort of unrelenting, unplanned problem or trouble in his life that he was dealing with. So what did he do? In fact, he referred to it in the Bible as his thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 says this. This is what he did. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So what do you do when you can't fix a situation? When you can't solve a problem? when you can't change the circumstance, when you can't control something that's hurting you deeply. Listen, that is when you throw yourself on the sustaining grace of God. Now, how do you practically do that? What does that look like? You do three things. Number one, cry out to God. Literally pour your heart out to God and ask him for help. And, and this is where we struggle, you know, in our culture today, this self-sufficient mindset, this you get what you pay for attitude, because as long as you keep pretending that you are completely self-sufficient, you will short-circuit God's power in your life. At some point, you've got to admit your own inadequacy and say, you know what, God, I can't handle this. And you cry out for help. James 4, 6 says, but God gives us 
more grace. That's why the Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now notice there who gets God's grace. Those who humbly admit they can't do it on their own. So you pour your heart out to God and you ask him for help. Number two, and some of you have problems with this, you accept support from God's people. Accept support from God's people. Listen, if you don't have some strong Christian friends in your life to help you, sustain you, support you, encourage you, pray for you when the inevitable storms of life come, man, I feel sorry for you. That is what the church is supposed to be all about. That is what we're here for. In fact, Galatians 6.2 says exactly what we are supposed to be doing for one another here. Listen to this. Share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Remember the great commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. That's the great command of Christ, the great law of Christ. And we do that by sharing each other's troubles and problems. Now, we can't force you to do that. We can just put you in an environment where that's available. You know, listen, we don't continually talk about life groups and life teams and community and getting connected here by serving and, you know, serving God by serving others. We don't constantly talk about all those things here at Coastal just because there's some sort of hip fad or, you know, popular, you know, among other churches. No, you know, it's some, some kind of cool idea. Absolutely not. The reason we talk about all that, because it is absolutely essential for your physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. You've got to develop a group of people in your life that you can count on, and they can count on you when the going gets tough. Here at Coastal, we, uh, we refer to those people many times as three o'clock in the morning friends, people that you could count on. God never meant for you to go through life alone. He didn't intend for you to be a, to be a lone ranger. In fact, I believe that God intentionally puts weaknesses in our lives so that we realize just how much we really do need one another. You need the support, the prayer, and the encouragement from God's people. But we can't make you do that. We can provide, like I said, life groups. We can provide ministry. We can provide opportunity for people to connect. But we can't make you take the initiative. That's that's what you've got to do. So cry out to God. Pour your heart out to him. Get connected and, 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 and you know, make yourself a little bit vulnerable and, and accept support from, from God's people. And then finally, number three, you got to hold on to God's promises. Let the Bible, God's word, comfort you. You know, let, let, the, let, let it give you the strength that you need every day to keep going, to stand firm. You've got to get into this book, the Bible, every single day of your life. What does that mean? I mean, you get a modern translation, New Living Translation, NIV, something that you understand, that, and you begin to read it. 
every day. You know, if you've got a smartphone, some sort of device, listen, download uh, the Bible app, uversion.com. Download that. Read it every day. Get it into your mind and into your heart. David in the Psalms, in fact, prayed this. Listen to what he prayed. I lie in the dust, completely discouraged. Revive me by surfing the web. You know, revive me by binge-watching my favorite television show. You know, it doesn't say that. And again, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with, you know, television or computer. Or none of that. But what does it say? Revive me by your word. Sustain me. Strengthen me by your word. You know, there's some uh, advice going around today. In fact, it's been around forever, but I get tired of hearing it. It's in every movie, every self-help book, every talk show. It's the standard answer from the world for all of our problems. It's been around for thousands of years. In fact, the great theologian Obi-Wan Kenobi gave the same advice uh, to Luke Skywalker when he was going through his crisis. Do you remember what he said? Here's what he said. The answers are within you, Luke. Look within yourself. What a bunch of hogwash. I don't even know what hogwash is, but it sounds terrible. You know what? It's what, what, craziness. Listen, look within yourself. That's the problem. I look within myself and I go, yuck. I don't like what I see. You know, I, I, I look within myself, I get depressed. If that was the answer to all of our problems, you would already be changed and this world would be a different place. Listen, it doesn't work. You need to look not within yourself, but outside of yourself to the creator who made you. The answers aren't within you. The answers are in a relationship with God. It doesn't work the other way. God is the only one who can change you. God is the only one who can help you. He is the only one who can sustain you. There are, there are 7, 000, over 7,000 promises in the Bible just waiting on you to to hold on to. Here's, here's one of them, Isaiah 29, 30-31. Uh, through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, circle this, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They'll finish the race of life well. That's an example of the sustaining grace of God. So let's get really practical here this morning as we close. Where do you personally need God's sustaining grace in your life today? Are you discouraged and you feel like giving up? Have you just been beat down by the same temptation over and over again? Are you tired? And you just feel like you can't go on one more step. Are you in the middle of some undeserved, unrelenting trouble that you just can't seem to fix? No matter what it is you're facing, 
no matter what it is you're going through, don't give up. Don't give up. Instead, look up. Look up. And put your hope in the Lord. And he will renew your strength. No matter what it is you're going through, God's sustaining grace will support you if you'll let him. I want to close our time together this morning with, a, with just a focused time of prayer. And I want to pray specifically for those of you this morning who are discouraged. Bow your heads with me right now. You know, you, you're here this morning, and, and again, I don't know everybody's story here today. I don't know the burden or the baggage that you brought into this room. And maybe you're watching online right now and you're struggling with discouragement, you're struggling with worry, with guilt or shame. Listen, he can handle it. He can fix it. You might be dealing with depression, financial conflict, Maybe you're dealing with conflict in your marriage, in your family. Maybe it's unemployment or infertility or something affecting your, your kids and it's just out of your control. His love is big enough. He can handle it. So right now, today, let's, let's begin today by putting this first step in, into practice. Just pour your heart out to him right now. Tell him what it is that's discouraging you, that's troubling you. Tell him passionately. It is okay to be emotional. It is okay to cry. Tell him what it is that's discouraging you. Dear Heavenly Father, you know every single need represented here today. You know what we need before we even ask. You know our hurts. You know our fears, our struggle, our sin, our loneliness, our grief. For those who are hurting here this morning, may they find relief. For those who are discouraged, may they experience your sustaining grace. May they not just understand it in their mind, but may they sense and feel your arms of love wrapped around them today. For those who are carrying a heavy, heavy burden, may they understand your power and your peace is available. For those who are tempted, for those who are addicted, for those who can't seem to stop what they don't want to do, today may they find freedom in Christ. For those who are depressed, God, would you restore their joy. For those who are separated from a loved one, for those who are in conflict with a husband or a wife or a child, may they find restoration or, if possible, reconciliation. For those who are guilty and ashamed, 
may they sense the freedom that's only found through your forgiveness for those who lack purpose and meaning may they find you and now right now it's your time to pray just say something like this Jesus I need your sustaining grace in my life And if you're here this morning and you have never asked for his saving grace, just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I need you to save me. I admit it. I am lost. I have blown it. I am a sinner. And God... There have been times, quite honestly, where I have tried to make it on my own. I've tried to be good enough. And I admit, it has left me hurt, angry, and frustrated. I realize that I can never be good enough. And so today, I admit that. And humbly, in faith, I turn away from my sin and my shame and I take that step of faith today God I do believe I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin he performed he was good enough he was perfect so that I don't have to be he paid the price he went to the cross for my sin and I believe today God that he rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. And I put all of my faith and trust in him and him alone today. And now, God, not only do I ask you to save me, but I ask you to sustain me. Help me to cry out to you for help and not to try to do it all by myself. God, help me now to fill my mind with your word. Help me to accept support and encouragement and prayer from your people and to hold on to your promises. God, thank you that I'm not just going to make it to the finish line in heaven, but I'm going to live that abundant, full life that Jesus promised. Not because of me, but because of your amazing, sustaining grace. I love you and I trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.